This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth bringing you quality hunting clothing and packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at HuntworthGear.com. And right now they've still got their holiday sale going on. You can get 20% off of anything on the site. Uh, code HLDY20. And uh, I would definitely look into getting the heat boost stuff. So... You see me post about it. You heard me talk about it. Uh, I just did another. If you go on the website, you'll see me. Uh, but uh, I just did another photo shoot with them, and it was uh, mid twenties, low thirties, and uh, fifteen or twenty mile an hour wind, and it was just biting cold. You know, um, that wind was just terrible. It got out of the truck, put that stuff on, and basically for the rest of the day was just absolutely toasty warm didn't even really notice it uh, until we started walking around from place to place and we were like literally sweating had to take my hat off it was um it was too much you know when i say 
you can wear that stuff. And the, the stuff that I'm using is the Saskatoon stuff, so there is a thicker version of that, a warmer version. Um, but definitely something to check out. Um, it you know go back to the podcast that we did with Tracy, but it's it's not a joke. Uh, the stuff is uh, is very very impressive and very warm. Uh, again, check it out at HuntworthGear.com. Uh, no new Patreon updates. Uh, you know, holiday season, not a expendable income type uh, scenario. But, you know, we got to thank everybody that uh, supports the show. Wyatt Beard uh, putting down a, a dough uh, yesterday uh, in Illinois. And uh, it's his first one, he said, in like 10 years. So uh, congrats, man. Way to get one, you know, as Uncle Frank says, under your belt, uh, you know, we love to hear your success stories, guys. Uh, you know, let us know uh, what's going on with you guys, and we'll we'll share them here on the podcast. And uh, if it's a good enough story, we'll we'll get you on here. Uh, done that many times. So uh, today's podcast, we're going to talk with Josh uh, Ilderton from the Untamed, and you know, go go to their YouTube, and they've got it's like the best bear hunting video you'll ever watch. Um, not bow hunting related on that one. Uh, they do bears with dogs, uh, down in West Virginia and, uh, it's, it's pretty incredible stuff that they do. Uh, this podcast, we go through, um, you know, Josh just killed a a great big buck, um, with a bow, (laughs) pretty, pretty exciting hunt, but we go through, you know, getting kids involved in the, in the outdoors, uh, you know, woodsmanship, what it's like, you know, for, for hunters, uh, dog hunters, trappers, um, you know, woodsmen versus like kind of the easy button, uh, as far as hunting, just a, a great podcast, a little bit long, but, uh, you know, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. And if you haven't checked out Josh's stuff on the untamed, uh, definitely go, uh, give that a look. And then, um, you know, check out our Patreon, you know, if you like what we're doing, you like to continue to see, uh, great stuff from us uh check that out it's like 17 cents a day helps us out tremendously we're building the community through our marco polo group and uh got some bigger things coming um for uh 2023 looking forward to you know kind of taking that next level uh and giving back more to the patreons and uh you know with our partners we don't uh partner with anybody that doesn't give back so Huntworth is giving away a full uh, one of their Fairbank suits, so it's some bibs and uh, a warm, uh, cold weather. I'm sorry, some of their warm gear uh, for for the late season, and uh, they're giving away a full set of that. Uh, Spartan Forge, Spartan Forge, you know they they've made their name for the artificial intelligence for the deer woods, but you know they're mapping. Uh, has become way more than that. Now they have adjustable contour lines. They've got the gradient shading. They've got it so that you can look online and do your uh, e-scouting from your computer. Uh, really stepped their game up there. They give away one of their year-long memberships. Uh, and you can check them out at SpartanForge.ai. You can use code BOWHUNTER to save 25% on that. Lucky Buck, like I said, we've ha- had the most uh bucks taken off of our property uh this year after using it for one year you know you know causation correlation uh you can you can make the argument either way but um it definitely were able to uh see more deer on camera um, and get an inventory of what was going on up there um with the lucky buck mineral they give away a bucket of their mineral if you're not 
able to use that. They've got a, a, a seed as well. And then our friends over at Zinger Fletchings, they've got a sale going on till this Friday um, as well. Uh, you can check them out. But uh, Zinger's is compression fit fletchings. So they're 3D printed, flexible. Um, they work great. Uh, and they're starting to get into arrows if you're following along with them. Uh, but they give away a set of their uh, their fletchings, uh, you know, just to support the show, uh, just for us. So you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash Borner Chronicles podcast, or you can check it out on our website. But if that's not for you, not a big deal. Just tell someone else about the podcast. Uh, give us a like, a follow on uh, social media somewhere. Uh, but as always, every single one of you, thanks for listening. All right, everybody, Adam and John back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. And uh, so I don't know if you want to introduce this guest, John, because like this all comes from 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 John, kind of. You know, I'm I'm the guy that does all the work, the business side and do all the, the fun stuff, right, where I got to go talk to people and know everybody. And, you know, John disappears at ATA and he comes back and he's like wiping tears away from his face. And he's like, holy shit, man, you need to. We got to talk to this guy, uh, Josh from the Untamed. So you want to? Yeah. That was it. Like that's you, it. Yeah. You just I talked mean, to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, we'll introduce. Like just how you doing today? I'm good, dude. I'm I'm excited to be on here to bullshit and tell some stories and talk hunting. Yeah, uh, the stories you were telling down at ATA, I, literally, I came back to the booth and my stomach was hurting. I'm like, oh my God, that was some of the funniest shit, like getting chased by wild boars and going in, going down tunnels after bears and shit. I'm like, what? This, that's like some crazy shit. Or you showed a picture of a mountain lion jumping out of a tree. I'm like, that thing about touched you. <laughs> yeah, could have touched him. Could have could have touched him for sure. This guy's uh, got balls the size of church bells, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> I don't know if it, uh, but it's just everyday stuff to me. And I, I like, I, th- when I'm talking to people, I think, you know, all woodsmen experience the same shit I do, but they really, they don't. But I, I, I always feel like you do, but it's just a difference. And hound hunting really takes you, it keeps you in the woods and a lot of shit can happen. Uh, and a lot of stories come from it. And the boar, the boars and stuff chase me, you know, I, I poked the bear and, and, it, and, you know, it, it poked back at me harder. So I just got paid for that when I shouldn't have been uh, messing with them, <laughs> you but, know, but it is what it is. So before we get into any of that, like guys right off the bat are like, excuse me? Like what what what's this guy talking about? So what what's your background in hunting? Like where are you from and like how did you grow up uh as far as like get in getting into hunting like fr- off the get? Yeah, so I grew up in Logan, West Virginia. It's it's this one of the southern four bow hunting only counties. Um and pretty much had two guys uh, my grandfather, uh, my, I'm come from a divorced family, and uh, my grandfather took me out. We had a farm growing up, and then uh, my mom married a, a fellow named Red, and I've talked about him before. 
I just spent deer camp with him. They divorced a couple years afterwards, but we, he always stayed involved in our lives. And uh, we had we had another camp that I went with him to, and still still go. But I mean, I I didn't really get serious about hunting until I got out of the Marine Corps. I mean, I hunted in junior high and high school myself. Did a lot of squirrel hunting. I mean, I bow hunted, but it wasn't like I was going out to hunt for big bucks. I was going out if if it was brown, it was down. I mean, I was going out there just to to kill and eat, um, and just a lot of self taught, a lot of a lot of mistakes. Um, and then once I got out of the Marine Corps, you know, just it it was kind of an escape for me. Um there for two or three years after getting out and i just lived in the woods and uh every minute i could and started ground hunting with a buddy of mine and man just been doing it ever since and then we started in tame back in um in 18 just to just to film and have fun i mean i, I we had tried it this is my third go around trying to film and and hunt and but been doing that since 18 to just have fun, let people see what we do. Um, West Virginia doesn't get enough credit in the whitetail world um, for what they produce here, which I'm glad. I mean, but we, you know, we, we've showed a lot, a lot. And I mean, there, there's a lot of big deer here, but it's, um, that's the big thing is just showing them, our lifestyle and what we do here in West Virginia. I mean, we get outside of West Virginia and hunt, but we're nor we stay normally right here in the Appalachians and the Ohio Valley, unless I'm mountain lion hunting. So with that, like I got a, we got some listeners and I got some questions here from, from West Virginia yeah. guys, but then like, I, I've heard like, like from other guys that say like, there's parts of, and this is kind of like what I was telling you before, the, the podcast before we started recording, like West Virginia to me seems like, like the Appalachians, right? Like it, it seems like, you know, like you're the name untamed beyond the like critters is kind of like the people is like from an outsider looking in. And they've said like, there's places there like in the bow hunting only like, might look good on a map, but like you can't go there. Like the locals don't want your out of state plates. They don't want any of that. Yeah, I mean, so. the, the local the locals can be tough. I mean, that's um, but that's the that's the whole thing with the name Untamed is it's not just the the hunting. It, it's all of us just being untamed. That whole lifestyle of, of taking risk and taking chances and just grinding and not sleeping and you know just go go go. Whether it's with our family, with the hunting, with work, it's just a that's that's where the name come from. Is just that grind that every day that we do. Uh, and yeah, I mean, is there rough areas? Yeah, but I mean, hell, there's rough areas in New York. <laughs> There's there's some pretty rough areas in Ohio too that we've been through. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I mean yeah, I mean they're everywhere. I mean, are people very protective of the bow hunting only counties? Yeah, they are. But one I have noticed um, since we've been videoing and on YouTube, I mean, uh, we've sold a lot of non-resident licenses and, and rented a lot of hotel rooms and cabins, and 
who knows how much these guys have spent on the, you know, all the supplemental cost of eating and stuff like that. So it doesn't bother me one bit, people coming in and hunting. Um, I think that's that's what part of what we, we're here for is to uh, show West Virginia off. So when you say you have four counties that bow hunting only, that's the only, I mean, nothing else. Yeah. You can, so there are 55 counties in the state and there's four Southern, uh, they call them the Southern four. It's bow hunting only. You, now you're allowed to gun hunt for bears and wild boar. Okay. But no gun hunting for whitetail. And then is there any, like, I mean, what's your, uh, is there restrictions for antler points or is there? It's a, it's, a, it's a one buck limit. One buck limit. Okay. Yeah. And they just, they added a doe. Uh, a few years back, so you can kill a buck and a doe if you buy an extra extra stamp. But if you don't buy an extra stamp, you're you're, you're one deer in those counties. Okay, yeah. So you're killing deer that are, you know, most of the deer I'd say on average in the southern four are minimum five years old. Wow. I mean, there, there's there's some two and three year olds killed, but everybody here is hunting with a purpose. You know, to kill a uh, a good buck. Right. So I would I would say I don't know that from a scientific data, but I would say it's four or five years old is probably your average age um, for those counties, and that's why it's so good. I mean, is it rougher than hell? Yes, it's terrible terrain, um, but it's fun as hell to hunt them. So I want to get into the hunting of those deer and that kind of stuff, but like, what's the, like for those counties in particular, like what's the deer density like? Because that's one of the things where, you know, even in like, you know, Southeast Ohio or whatever, when you get into areas where the deer density isn't that great and the terrain's tough as hell, like, yeah, there's big bucks, but man, is it, you know, disheartening a lot of times to go and like not see anything and just work your butt off and you know, oh, you're going to, you're going to have days like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've hunted southeast Ohio too, uh, in, in that big country in there, and you'll have those days. I mean, but you might go days, and you might see twenty or thirty deer. You know, if, if I'm running and 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 kind of glassing, and then jumping to another area to glass, I might see. You know. You know, there are days I don't see none doing it, which is, those are really, really bad days when you're glassing and you don't see no deer. Um, but then there'll be days that I might see 30 or 40 deer um, in the in the that morning or evening hunt or an all-day hunt. You know, it, it just depends. I mean, I don't know what the numbers are, Adam. Um, I, I know you'll see some does, and if you see a buck, Chances are he's gonna be a good buck. That's kind of how how it is. And so, what's the like terrain like the the area as far as uh like because down where we were hunting in southeast Ohio, there was a lot of like clear cuts, and then some of the area was like that reclaimed coal property, right? So, yeah. you know, big big CRP, and then you know, mixed woods here and greenbrier for days and days and days. Yeah, I mean, it, so. The the mine lands that we hunt, um, they're on top of the mountains, and you know the mountains been removed and then put back. It's kind of like um, 
I call it like prairie land. It just kind of rolls and it's autumn olives and CRP type stuff and grasses. Um, you know, once once it has four or five years of growth, I mean, it's just got grass for you know first few years. But and then you know you get into your timber right right at the coal seam because that's where they mine down to the coal seam and. So they get into big timber below that, but it's always, it, you know, everything's so damn steep down here. Um, I mean, you can see from one side of the holler to the other. It just takes you forever to go down to the drain and go back up the other side. <laughs> uh, it's just, I mean, there's big timber, hardwoods, um, but then you get into your open areas too and, you can move. I mean, it. it's all different elevations and kind of rolls. It's not just flat up on top. And so when you're, when you're hunting that, what are the, how are the deer using that, that area? And like, what are the, the key like terrain features or like, you know, things that you key in on, like when you're setting your cameras or like when you're, when you're doing your glassing? Um, really, I, when I'm glassing, I'm just trying to figure out where they're feeding. Or where they're coming coming through, there's certain areas that I might be between their feeding and bedding, and I'm glassing in between, just getting their movement. Um, but it's hard to explain because if the maps aren't updated, you know, on your on your on like on X or whatever you use, if the maps aren't updated once the mining comes through. You can be looking at your terrain. It's just pointer for anybody that comes down there and hunts. <laughs> You'd be like, man, I'm, I'm going to go hunt this low gap right here. <laughs> and you go out there, that low gap's gone. <laughs> <laughs> it got blasted back in 2015. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm ground hunting, I know the terrain I'm in because I've hunted it for so many years now. But, like, I'm always looking for places to give me the best vantage point to see as much as I can see. But then I got to be able to move, too. And sometimes I do. I run right at them, you know. But most of the time, I'm using terrain as cover uh, for my movement. I mean, because it just, as long as, and, and the wind, I mean, the wind swirls so bad here. And I mean, it swirls bad everywhere, but it's like, it's terrible here in the mountains. <laughs> but I don't know. It's hard to explain because it's the shit's not the same as it is on your map. But like, you, I key on the same stuff that you all key in on. If, if, if I know that there's a choke point or a pinch point, then... I might put a camera there. I might not. I don't run up. I don't run very many cameras. Most of my cameras are just for inventory. Uh, now I got extremely lucky this season because uh, I put a camera up, found two big scrapes one evening, and put a camera up and the son of a gun come in there that next morning, and I went in that evening and killed him. Uh, but it was a hot area. I mean, that's the hottest shit I've ever I've seen in a long time. Uh, but it was in a choke point, you know, in a pinch point, two two different pinch points in in one area, and it was just 
fire, but I, I look for the same stuff. I mean, if you when 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 we're glassing, like we're glassing, we're glassing hundreds of acres at a time. So it's so if we see a deer over here or over here, everything's going to change depending on where we catch them. Right. Uh, it's kind of fly by the seat of your pants. So if you know, yeah. So when when you say you're your ground hunting, are you kind of like spot and stock or your or how can I explain how your your method of ground hunting works? So most of the time, you know, I'm just a I just sit in glass. And if I feel like the deer um is telling me that, you know, he's gonna he's comfortable or he's feeding or whatever. You know, I might go after him. I might see if he's going to bed, uh, if the conditions are right to make a move. And then, so that's kind of the glass in the spot and stalking. Um, and I, I might not do, I might not make a move at all. I might just sit there and I do a lot of observation sits of just glassing to be able to try to make a move over the next couple of days. Okay. Uh, but then if we're ground hunting in the timber, I mean, it's just a a slow and tedious hunt. And and I'm actually just kind of ground hunting and glassing and, you know, making some calls. And um, and I did good this year with it. You know, I, I killed that deer of a tree, but uh, I was on a bunch of deer the couple of weeks before ground hunting and, you know, using ghillie suits. And you know, had got up on a got up on several deer, just not any shooter bucks. Um, but it's just the slow, you know. Um, when I'm ground hunting in the timber, I'll just go from point to point, or from viewing area to viewing area. Okay, it's it's kind of like if I if I'm on a point, I'll glass as much as the drains as I can up and down and then glass them again, then glass them again, because, you, you know, deer just hide. And and then once I find, you know, once I convince myself that there's no deer there, then I'll, I'll move to where I left off glassing. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's almost like a Western-style hunt, kind of. Yeah. I've never, I've never hunted out there, but that's what uh, – Several people have said it reminds them of that have come down and hunt with me. Yes, yeah, the way you're explaining it's like what we, you know, almost like our elk hunt and then, you know, right. mule, mule deer hunting. Yeah. Yeah, that's what uh, Bo Martonic, he's come down and hunting with me a couple of times. And he's like, he's like, dude, you'd love it out west. And he said, it's, it's the same, same thing. But I ain't never done it. So that's, you know, like when you think of West Virginia, I'm thinking of mountains and like big timber, you know, like, like, like our spot in Ohio, you know, Mm. but like after we went out West, I'm like, that kind of wrecked me for, (laughs) for whitetail hunting here in Michigan. Cause I'm like, you know, I've done it my whole life. You know, we go out, we find sign and then just sit, 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 you know, and like out West, it was just like, you can make something happen. You're just out there glassing and then trying to, you know, put a move on them or, you know, calling, whatever. But it's like, 
it's it's not just a static hmm. you know it's a dynamic i mean that's the thing and it's like everybody's been taught just just to hey, go out find your find your tree find your stump clean it out find your place to sit on the ground get up in the tree sit there until deer come by right you know what i mean yeah that's it's kind of, I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it, you know, my grandfather told me that a bunch. Don't move. Stay right here and just look for deer, you know. But, and that's okay, I think, in the right situation. But I like trying to, I, I like trying to make opportunities. Right. You know, I, I don't think. Even if you bump deer, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I mean, it, it, if you're aggressive out of 10, 10 hunts, you're going to get an opportunity. One of those one of those aggressive moves is going to pay off yeah. is how I think. Um, so I always – I mean, I always try to make an opportunity. I, I, I'm not going to let – if I'm in an area and I know deer are coming through and there's, you know, a hot doe in there, hot does and – or good feeding, you know, if I know they're in these oaks, then yeah, I'll hang up and I'll sit right there and wait. But if not, then I'm just constantly on the move trying to find them and create an opportunity. Well, and that's, you know, I hunted this year, I've hunted quite a bit more off the ground hunting in CRP. And um, I just recently picked up my longbow and took it out for a couple hunts and, uh, have been carrying that little thing around. And the other day I was sitting on the edge of this field where the, the deer usually come out and then they cross this ditch and I was set up right on the ditch. Well, there were 70 freaking turkeys out there that worked their way to me. And they were about 60, 70 yards away and there wasn't any deer out in the field. And we were about an hour before dark, maybe, maybe 45 minutes. And I'm like, there's no deer going to get through them turkeys to me before it gets dark. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to move, you know, and, uh, I didn't get another situation where I didn't get drawn, but I got an opportunity where I could have killed, killed the doe, you know, had things, things went right. But if I had just sat right there, I'd just watched turkeys fly up to roost and then (laughs) then I'd got out of there and and you're eating it. Yeah. And that would have been it. So uh, that's one of the things hunting on the ground for me lately has been, I'm, I'm, I'm not very patient, like. When I'm on the ground, though, that's the hard part. I'm I'm a little bit too agitated. I feel like I move around in the tree, but I pick trees, you know, where you got some cover and you can you can do stuff and you get a little way with a little bit more stuff. But man, especially in that CRP and stuff, them deer can sneak right up on you. And and it's like you get I, I've, I've been busted way more and like so now i just need to start moving or like making a decision of like okay i need to hide better or something because but but the the getting up and moving you're right i mean for for all those times i could have just sat there and you know had there been a tree there i would have sat there all day because i wouldn't want to pack my stuff up and get down and move over but i was like well mm, i got time to make a move i'm gonna do it you know yeah i mean and just like you're hunting at crp and they can sneak up on you but you know, you don't have to worry about being completely silent. I think noise is good. As long as they can't see the noise and the movements aren't, you're not, you know, those jerky movements. And, you know, I think 
slow movement noises is good sometimes. I mean, that it'll entice deer to come and look and see what the heck's going on. So I'm not like I'm I, I try to be quiet when I'm <clears throat> on, you know, walking. But like I'm not I used to be like I get pissed if I broke a twig or or anything. And now, you know, some noise is okay. And I mean, I, if you, <laughs> I think you can entice them deer, especially hunting like CRP, that thick grass, when you can get down in it. I mean, you can get deer four or five yards from you and that stuff, man. It's, it's fun to hunt, but it's hard to shoot in. <laughs> but you can make noise in that stuff because they can't see you either. Right. They're just, you know, are they going to be alert? Yeah. But, if you're as long as you're not like just stomping through, you know you can move on deer there too. I mean, I've done it in Ohio. Uh, uh, Jay and I were hunting uh, more to the western Ohio, and I told him it, it was like six years ago before we even started the untamed and. I told him, I said, I'm just going to hunt on the ground. He's like, dude, nobody in Ohio hunts on the ground. You got to get in a tree. <laughs> like, well, I'm going to go on the ground. You know, I'm going to learn some shit. If I don't see any deer, I'm going to learn to train anyway. And I ended up telling him, I was like, hey, you got, you're going to end up having an eight point. He's working up his draw. I've, I've watched him get out of his bed and I saw all kinds of deer. And he's like, dude, he said, and then in the that evening, he was in a tree line on a hedgerow, and I come out of this CRP, and I was like, hey, man, there's a big buck over here in that little patch of sycamores. And he was sitting there glass and watching me stalk up to that deer in that sycamore, and I was in a cut cornfield at that point, and it was just a patch of sycamores, and he was bedded away from me. And I about killed that big son of a gun. And so from that point on, Jay was like, man, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get on the ground too. And you know, since then he's killed a couple bucks on the ground and uh it's just a great way to make things happen, in my opinion. You're gonna make a lot of mistakes. You're gonna blow a lot of opportunities. I mean, just this week here, been hunting with Zach, you know, because we're all tagged out <clears throat> trying to get him a deer. Well, he 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 is a He's a great hunter. He can find big bucks, um, but he he's normally a tree stand guy or a saddle guy. You know, he's in a tree. But we ground hunted Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and we were talking last night, and he had a rough week, man, <laughs> of of hunting. I mean, we were on some deer. He missed a you know one hundred and fifty inch eight point. On Thursday, uh, and then we saw some deer Friday morning, and saw a decent deer, but we decided to let not not go after him. But then we spotted some wild boar, and we ground hunted into them. And you know, shit can get real intense fast when you're get them in amongst them hogs. And uh, he shot and, and and missed another hog and. He's like, yes, I don't know about this ground hunting. He said the process. He said my shot process has to happen so much faster, and, and that's the thing is like, you're gonna make it. I told him I was like, dude, first year you really hunted on the ground, 
you're going to make a lot of mistakes, but you're going to learn a lot. You learn, for one, you learn about the train. Two, you learn how those animals, what their signals they're giving off, what you can and can't do, uh, their mood or, you know, whatever. And then being able to go through your shop process because, you know, when you're in a tree, you're like, okay, I'm going to draw, I'm going to anchor, pin, steady, shoot. That it, It's the same process on the ground, but it's just going to have to happen a whole lot faster. you got to you got to calculate that fa- way faster, let it go through because you're not getting those crisp, clean shots that you've got shooting lanes out of your tree. And, you know, you, you have to find a shot. So he's learning, you know, it, it's a struggle, but I mean, once you do it, I think that everybody get hooked on it. When we, I did a, a podcast with uh, Zach from the hunting public recently. Yeah. A couple months ago. And, you know, I've talked to Zach a whole bunch and we were talking about like, like kind of like gear and what guys, you know, if they were just starting out, like what's the one piece of gear or whatever. But he said, you know, with all of our talk of saddles and tree stands, he's like, if someone was just getting into it, they should be hunting on the ground for just about everything you just said so that they could learn and make mistakes, but then they could get, get close, see how the deer use these areas and then it'd be a lot easier to kill one from a tree once you've been, you know, eyeball to eyeball with one a few times. That's exactly right. If if you learn what they're naturally doing, I mean, you can go get a tree and they're not going to be off their game. They're going to continue doing what they're doing as long as they don't get bumped or spooked or anything like that. I mean, I I agree with him 100%. Uh, You know, I don't think to get started, you need all this shit that everybody uses. I mean, well, Zach, you probably need the hair. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got a natural ghillie suit head. I was going to ask you, like, so I watched a few videos and some of the, I wanted to go back and watch some of the earlier videos because, like, when I go back and listen to, like, our first, like, 10 podcasts, I'm like, oh, my God, this is just, oh, my gosh, it's terrible. Um and watching you guys run around in the ghillie suits, um, and you killed or you shot a couple bucks. Looks like you d- didn't recover the one. Um, but that was what I was going to ask you. Like those those ghillie suits on the ground. Do you think that that's like the way to go? And how does that impede your your shooting? Uh, I do. I'm a firm believer in them. That and I, and I made mine. I've got a homemade one, so I don't have. You know, I made it to where um, I put. I sewed canvas on the inside of my arms, so nothing nothing hangs on my arms, um, and nothing. I don't hardly have anything on my front side either, except a little bit, so string or nothing can catch. I think the big thing with the ghillie suit is it just makes you it makes your outline out of proportion. You know what I mean? Right, you don't breaks, have this breaks your yeah, silhouette. You you don't have this solid shape, you know, you just have this blob out there, you know? Um, and I don't, I, I think, I mean, we, we used them this year. Just, we didn't put a video out because the days that we did, I mean, we just didn't have a whole lot of action other than, you know, a four corn and a six point and a few does. But now we were, we got a few clips that we're going to use for reels 
on these does and six point. I mean, they're just as you know, wondering what we are so bad. I mean, they come six, seven yards, and then they don't even run off. They kind of just feed away. Uh, I'm a firm believer in them. Sometimes they're aggravating, um, but they work. That that that's a that I mean I'm a firm believer in that they work. And and you said that you've tried a couple times to do the filming thing, and you know this that this is the this is the one. How has it changed like your hunting, like mentality? Because that's one of the things like for 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 me in particular because I do like all the social media stuff. Like I I do so much shit shooting my bow and you know, messing with my gear, check trail cameras, hunting, all the stuff. And like, I don't post half of it because it makes it feel like I'm like, I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. You know what I mean? Like there's a big struggle with like hunting for myself and doing it and then sharing it. Like how has that journey like been for you? Uh, I love having the camera there. The camera has fouled up some hunts <laughs> for sure. Uh, you know, you got twice as much scent, twice as much movement. You know, you could have twice as much noise because you got all the extra gear, all the camera stuff. I love doing it. My son gets aggravated with it because a couple, I mean, but like with, with for me, if it's not on camera, I don't shoot. That's one thing that sucks. Like for my son, if I'm filming him or some one of the camera guys that's filming him, like I've told him, don't worry about the camera. You you get up there and do your thing and, and kill stuff and, and learn to hunt. You know, he's just starting to hunt on his own this year. And so I don't worry about it because I don't want him to feel that pressure because it Getting content can create a lot of mistakes. Uh, the pressure, if you're having a rough season and you're not getting any content, good content, like it'll force you into making mistakes if you ain't careful. I mean, it's happened with us and we've had to kind of just kind of take a seat back and go, hey, let's just do our thing. It'll happen at opportunity. If we stay out there, that opportunity will, it will, it will happen. But I mean, two days after I killed my buck in Logan, I was hunting my farm in Putnam County, and I should have killed, you know, this buck before gun season come in, and I had him at 25 yards, and the, we had some camera difficulties, and he got away. I mean, that's kind of, and it, do I get pissed? Yeah, hell yeah, I get pissed, because I, I mean, I'm, I don't know I only want to get it on film, but I'm. I put a lot of time in. I want to kill something. You know, I, I like killing shit. I ain't afraid to say it. <laughs> I mean, I mean that. You know, and the camera, it it will foul stuff up. But I mean, it's a blast doing. And for me, like, not to come off the wrong way, but like, we got to have people view our stuff for the whole for our partners and stuff, but like, I I don't care if anybody watches my stuff because when my son's 80 
and he's got great great grandkids, he's gonna be able to say, look at your, you know, your great 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 grandfather, that crazy son of a bitch crawling this borehole. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, I feel the same way. Like when we started this, like it was just you know us having fun or doing whatever. And my father in law is. A, a riot and he's done it all and been there and there's that there's a huge legacy piece there like for my daughter you know to be like here's the stories to hear your grandfather tell him to see that you yeah know? yeah and uh you know I, I don't i don't think about it for me because it's like i'm just like yeah your dad messed this up and he messed that up and he did this wrong and <laughs> all that stuff yeah. But it, it's always going to be there. So that, that was another thing I was going to ask you. Like, how is it bringing your your son along for the ride, and you know, getting to share those memories and 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 record them and all that? You know, I've I've been able to learn, not learn, but there's stuff that seasoned hunters. I think we all take for granted. And then, and as Brody has hunted with me, he asks questions or he'll screw up and he'll move for his bow or he'll try to stand up in his tree stand because he just started hunting out of a saddle this year. But it's all the little things that, like, we just take for granted. Like, you know, we know not to make any movement if the deer's around, but him asking the, the little questions brings up so much stuff and it, it kind of, you kind of go into recall mode and be like, oh, this, this is why we do it. And, you know, and it's been great. I mean, watching him come up, um, I don't put a lot of pressure on him um, to hunt. You know, we went to deer this year. He's never got to go to deer camp. We hunt, we've hunted on our farm the last four years just because of that content pressure that I was telling you about. We've got to get that content. And if we were, we were low on content we need to be glad we, we wouldn't gun hunt we'd be spotting stalking down in logan glass and trying to find deer and so brody's never got to experience a traditional deer camp you know i learned so much about life at deer camp <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean yeah you know i started going to deer camp when i was i think i got to go start going when i was 12 maybe and didn't care if I killed anything back then it was all about just deer camp you know just eating talking bullshit and telling stories listen you know we weren't allowed to talk at deer camp much you know we had pretty much told just sit back and listen but uh so like this year we went to deer camp and Brody got to experience the whole thing and I, I took the camera and I, I was filming but like I really wasn't even focused on it. Like, I didn't care if we got a video or not. I just wanted him to enjoy those four days at deer camp. So sometimes I just say, to hell with it. It's not the right time. I want him to enjoy this piece without the camera, without anything. And that's what we'll do. Um, because I don't, I don't want him to feel that pressure for him to go, you know what? I I don't want to go out and hunt. You know, because I don't want I don't want that damn camera in my face. Right. And so we just don't do it. Um, 
and and but he there are days that we that he doesn't he don't bother him but if it's bothering him, I just say, "Hey, we just, we just, let's just go out and have fun. Let's just go hunt." And that's kind of how I deal with it, you know. Yeah, and you don't want him to be like this is like one of Dad's jobs, right? Like, oh, yeah, we got to go do this. We have to do it. Like, you want him to be like pumped to go out and do it. And like, I've been dealing with that. With my daughter, like, for the last couple of years, she she's like, I want to go to. Uh, and she's, she's seven, but do the youth hunt. And we got a private farm. My buddy's got all set up for her and, uh, we'll go and try and shoot the gun. She's like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to do it. Like, she's like, she's so sweet. She's like, why can't I use my bow? And I'm like, well, it's not strong enough, honey. Like, (laughs) like, like, but she's like, I don't like shooting the gun. And I'm like, all right, well, we're just not going to go. And she's like, well, I don't want you to be mad. I'm like, I don't care whether you go or not. Don't go. You know, it doesn't matter to me. And last year we went up to our deer camp after Thanksgiving. And this year she's just like, that was too long of a drive. I don't want to drive up there. I'm, and she's like, I don't want you to be upset. I'm like, I don't, if you don't want to go, I'm not going to like make it like something that you're, you know, dreading or like make you not like hunting because you don't want to go and I'm forcing you to do something, you know? Um, but I, I think it, I mean, I, I think kids are, and it, it, from my perspective, um, I think it's important to get kids involved, but not force them to be involved. I mean, Brody's bear hunted with me. He went to his first tree when he was three years old. He's seen, he's probably seen a hundred bears in a tree. He's never killed one. Doesn't, has no interest in it. But he loves the dogs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then he's killed deer. He killed deer when he was five, six, seven years old. And then he quit. You know? <clears throat> and I was like, hey, you want to go? I'll wake you up. And if I go in there and he says, hey, I'm tired. I want to sleep. I say, okay, buddy. I'll see you in a while. But if he, you know, I'll go in and say, hey, I'll be in the garage getting ready. And if he's out there in five minutes getting ready, then we go hunting. And it doesn't bother me one way or the other. Or if he says, you know, we're supposed to hunt on Saturday. And he says, hey, let's go. Can we go do this? We just go do that. And then. So that's kind of how I've always. Brought him up hunting like I, I, I love hunting, but I never wanted to force it on him. And then COVID, when COVID started, you know, he was out of school that first spring. and. It was kind of just disarray. The school was uh, trying to get everything online. And we hunted every day except for four days turkey hunting in Virginia, Ohio, and West Virginia. We would drive as a half a tank of fuel. We'd drive and then drive back that day. And he hunted with me every day. Getting We'd go to Virginia. We'd get up at 2.30 in the morning. And he had... He missed two that year and then had probably seven or eight other opportunities. And like, that was like the turning point. And then come that fall, he started hunting, you know, hunting, bow hunting a little bit, but it was the same thing as bow just wasn't powerful enough. So he gun hunted, killed a deer. And then like that next turkey season come in and like he was raring to go because he wanted to get some redemption. And uh, he finally killed a, he killed his first bird, you know, 
that, that next year. And then, but now he's like, it's like eight up with it. And then this year he started hunting by himself. You know, he's four, he turned 14 this summer. So I let him start getting in the saddle, you know, going out and gun hunting by himself. And, uh, he just, he's ate up with it now. And, and it's just like, I'm just like, yes, <laughs> you know, I didn't foul it up, you know, kind of like parenting sports and forcing their kids to play stuff and burning them out. And it's always a, a balancing act with them for, for me and Brody, it had been, I don't, I mean, I'm not speaking for all parents. I'm just saying how I went about it. And it seems like it's, it's worked out, especially for somebody like me that loves the outdoors so much. Well, I think anything with putting like pressure on the kids and, and, you know, for me it, having a daughter, it was, it was like a struggle it, internally. Like I'm going to try to pr- put, you know, I, I want to almost was like the other way. Like, I don't want to pressure her so much, but what I've realized is that like, kind of like what you were talking about with like the untamed, like or whatever, like this is just how we live. Like, so, you know, she's out there grabbing antlers and cutting up deer. And, you know, my father-in-law, we were talking about how he fishes a lot and, you know, he's, he's, you know, cleaning a limit of perch and her job is to scoop the guts from the time she yeah. was four years old to take the guts from here and put them in the bucket. Didn't matter that it was gross or that they were fish, yeah. or that they were dead. No, her job is to take the guts and put them in the, in the bucket. Like you want to be out in the garage with grandpa, you're scooping guts. Like, yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> so, right. but you'd mentioned the, the bears in uh, that, you know, we got the, like, I don't know what the title of the video is, like the best bear video you'll ever see or, or whatever. And, uh, I, you know, I'd, I'd seen that one before, but I rewatched it and it's like, how in the world, like, how do you get into that? And then all these dogs and like that, I mean, that seems just like a freaking like bear hunt aside, like just a chaotic kind of party, like with your buddies, like we're going to go, we're going to drive these two tracks. We're going to let some dogs go. Ah, maybe we find a bear. Maybe we don't. Right. <laughs> it's a, yeah. Uh, bear hunt is a social hunt. You don't have to worry about camouflage. You don't have to worry about scent control. You don't have to worry about noise, you know, um, and, you know, everybody loves dogs. And I got into it, you know, and I went on my first bear hunt with hounds in 99. That was, I got out of the Marine Corps that spring and went that fall with a group. And I hunted seven or eight years before I even got my own dogs. But then once you get your own dogs, it, it you know, you got skin in the game. It's a different, it's a different feeling of just helping and hunting and tracking and having your own dogs it it it's another level and then so i've been doing that since i don't know oh seven they you weren't allowed to bear hunt with dogs in the southern four until i think oh eight oh seven or oh eight you started allowing the bear population just blew up and they let us start hunting with dogs and it's and it's just it's just a good time i mean and I, i've said it before i mean it's so easy to get your to get kids involved, and then when we're bear hunting, our whole every kid 
comes with it. whoever's hunting with us that day. I mean, kids come. I mean, it's it's and then it's really easy to get, to expose everybody to dogs and tr- and when you get them in a tree, but like you know, on the ground, <clears throat> you know, you're kind of going in protective mode. But it's a blast. I mean, it's and you learn a lot of, about woods. You know, when you were bear hunting, I mean, you're covering a lot of damn ground, and you're learning a lot. You're seeing a lot. I mean, Zach, perfect example. Zach killed a a booner uh, six seven years ago, and he had a couple dogs. Uh, we had treated a family of bears, and his dogs were on like a cub. And he went up there to get his dogs and jumped this buck out of his bed. But the buck didn't know it was him. He just jumped because of noise. And they weren't treed 50 yards from that deer. But he saw the buck, got his dogs left, went back in there. I think he killed him like five or six days later. Uh, and you just learn so much about terrain. It just it just helps you all around. Um, I've slowed way down with it. Uh, bear season actually comes in tomorrow uh, until the end of the end of the year, and I'll probably get out. I usually hunt every day, but I've been focusing on deer hunting because that, that's kind of what Brody has been focused on. And uh, I'll hunt. I'll hunt eight or ten times. You know, it's it, the dynamics of our bear hunting group have changed since the untamed went through some changes uh, with people. So it, uh, and I've enjoyed bow hunting. I mean, I've started focusing more on bow hunting these last couple of years. And uh, that's what I wanted to do. Anyhow, kind of got burned out on hound hunting. Cause I mean, I was doing it relentlessly. I mean, running every chance I could get. So uh, as like a, the, the hound hunting and like the, the you said it it's a whole nother thing when you got skin in the game but like i think of it as like those guys whether it's you know running coons or like whatever but you're a, now you're you've gone from a a participant right to a, a houndsman right yeah. so what is that like learning process like how are how are you training up these dogs and dealing with them and then at the end of the day when you're got you know a few sets of dogs and a bunch of guys and you tree a bear, like how do you choose the shooter? Like, like the one bear comes flying out of the freaking cold mine and like, pow, 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 pow. <laughs> yeah, rifles going off all sorts of shit. Like, like who, who, who claims this thing? <laughs> well, the one come out of the hole, I killed it. <laughs> uh, it's actually laying right here. <laughs> He's he's sitting here laying beside me on a rug. Um, most of the time, it, you know, you got to peck an order with your group, and then once you get to the tree, if you have guests or if you have kids, they're the they're the the priority. And if you have guests with you, you know, if I bring somebody and we get to the tree, and the 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 guys with the hounds will talk and go, hey, you know. John Doe's going to shoot this one. We kind of just talk about it and decide uh, if it's in a tree, if it's in a, if it's on the ground, then most likely 
one of us is going to be the shooter. Um, or if it's an experienced hunter, we might be like right in his ear telling him, ho, 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 you know, and, and showing, telling him when he can or can't shoot. Um, you know, bear hunting, it's any type of, and not bear hunting, any type of hound hunting is expensive as hell. The dogs, the food, the medicines, the vet bills, uh, tracking collars, you know, handhelds, radios, you know, it, it's endless. Um, and then it's very hard because bear hunting groups or hound hunting groups, I don't think it's as hard with coon hunters because they're like, yeah, just come on, bring bring your dog and let's go hunting. Well, bear hunting groups and, you know, mountain lion groups, they're, they're tight knit. Like you don't, you're not going to let very many outside houndsmen come hunt with you. One, because you might come hunt with me and bring your hounds. And then next thing you might be going back in that area next week with your hounds without us. You know, and hate to be that way, but that's it's cutthroat, and you just don't want to. Uh, we've been through it. I mean, we've let guys come with their hounds, and the next thing you know, they're hunting the land we hunt, and uh, it just didn't work out. So, to get into it, you have to. You can train your dogs, but it's much easier to train them when you're with experienced bear hunters and experienced bear dogs to put your dogs in there with them. Um, and then as they get going, then you can continue working with them and then, you know, you can do your own thing. Uh, but you got to have the right dogs. Um, and it's a, it's a process, man. I mean, I've, I've been through a lot of dogs in the past 15 years. <laughs> I've had, I've had a lot of, a lot of shit eaters, <laughs> lot, you know. uh, but you know, got a pretty good pack of dogs now. I don't have many dogs. I used to keep about 12 hounds and I've only got five now. Um, but it's a, it, it's a, it's a great sport. It, it, it gets a black eye, but it's a, it's a great sport. And the, the, the states that still allow it, they keep their predator population down and, um, the states that don't allow it, they're having a lot of issues, you know, and we protect everybody else in the outdoor industry, in my opinion, because everybody picks on the, you know, everybody picks on the hounds because it's easy. Um, we're just like easy bait for people to bash uh, because, you know, they're, they, you know, your hound hunters aren't out there and, sick of gear or kuyu or whatever the hell you know they're out there and you know overalls and they're rednecks and hillbillies and they're just good old boys just out there hunting and running their dogs and it, you know it's not that aesthetic look that the outdoor industry wants and then it's easy easy for outside interest groups to target so i think that you know they, I think houndsmen and dog hunters protect a lot of the other hunting because they take a lot of the heat from the outside interest groups. And I don't understand how other hunters don't see that and support hound hunters. Right. 
Well, how did that, like, uh, yeah, oh, 100%. But uh, from the other hunter perspective or whatever, um, uh, like, how does, and I know you said that Zach had killed a booner, basically learning, like, where the deer, that deer yeah. was. But, like, how does that affect, like, the, the deer? Like, so do you run dogs for bears in the same areas that you hunt, or do you kind of? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it doesn't affect your, your deer hunting at all? Yeah, I, I I've posted videos of deer walking within five yards of my dog lot, and my dogs don't say a word. You know, they're just not. Now, are there houndsmen out there that have dogs that run deer? Sure, there is. My dogs will probably run a deer if it's a buck and he's got that heavy. You see, it's a rut, uh, but. I'm going to know if my dogs are running deer and I'm going to correct that action. You know what I mean? You can tell on your, on your tracking device of what animal your, your dogs are running, you know, whether it's a coyote, a bear, a bobcat, a mountain lion, a deer, they all run their type of track. And you can see that. So if you, we don't have, I mean, we have dogs that, I mean, I'm not saying that my dogs will not run a deer because they will. They're they're gamey dogs. I mean, they're not running anything. They might strike on a deer. But do I worry about hurting my deer hunting, bear hunting in the same place? No, I don't. Um, now, even if, if they bump a deer out, that deer's going to be back in there. Now, like, from the the shooting them on the ground type thing, like that was one thing watching the videos. I mean, it's like you guys are standing there, and there's like some huge bears, like within like you could hit them with a stone, and you're like yeah. on the radio, like yeah, he's going up uh, this way. It's like if, if that was a deer, like if that was a big old buck, you know, it would be like freaking World War Three, just. <laughs> lighting them up with a pistol rifle whatever you had you know but like you said there's a guy and some wranglers with a, a ball yeah. cap on and he's like yeah he's headed up towards you i think you know you're up on that road like yeah he'll be up there in a minute and i'm like that's yeah. a huge bear that would be a trophy like what's going on there like yeah. well i mean most of the guys with the dogs ain't interested in killing the bear um We'll kill bear. We'll we'll be there for safety shots, uh, and if the bear is being mean or something, but we're not even interested in. It. I mean, I caught two in the early season. Let both of them go. I'm just not interested. I mean, I'd rather tree and free them than I would kill them and fool with them because uh, I don't need them. We we get them butchered and give them to a mission because um, I don't I don't eat bear meat. Um, so I mean, I'm not going to waste it and I'm out there just for my dogs, you know, that's, and most of the guys with dogs, that's how they feel. So you know? one of the stories that you told me down at ATA was you guys went in after a bear into a, one of the, the coal mines or so. Can you tell? Oh yeah. We, we've done that a few times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, Sometimes they'll go in auger holes, which auger hole is, you know, it's usually a 24, 36 inch hole 
and it'll go back. It just goes straight in and straight back out. There's no cross cuts. And there'll be some holes are 300 foot long. Some of them are, can be up seven, 800 feet. And, you know, we've gone in them holes before. And, you know, your dogs are in there. You're in there with a pistol and a, a headlamp. You got a rope tied to your ankle so the people outside can pull you out fast enough. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, it can, yeah, I mean, shit can get, get hairy. Uh, and then you get into, we've gone into a couple of like deep mines. And so there's cross cuts, you know, uh, when they go in the mine, they drive forward, say north and south. But it, so every so many feet, they got to go east and west. And we got in the mine there one day, and we had our headlamps and we could hear the dogs coming and the bird come through right past us and and then the bear would run past us again, going north and south. And then he'd go hit a cross cut east and west. And hell, you didn't know where it, if it's some bitch was going to hit you <laughs> or what. And, uh, but we've been, I've gone in auger holes and the webbing between the holes has fell out, you know, cause it's, it's, it's a small webbing that they keep in there just for the machine, but bumped the bear completely in the next auger hole. And it's, I've seen their, their paws coming out, you know, trying to dig. And next thing you know, they crawl out and, you know, you're standing five feet from them. You could slap them with a, with a stick. <laughs> uh, but they're fun. I mean, they're like any other animal. I mean, they don't, they're, they're just trying to get away. You know, they get aggressive sometimes. So, I mean, I'm just trying to like, I think about like, fishing and boating and stuff that, that just is like this like this money hole that you just keep throwing money into right so you don't like to eat bear you don't really like to kill them and you said <laughs> all this stuff is like super expensive and now you've got a rope tied to your foot and you're crawling into a hole for this creature that you don't really <laughs> you know what you and your buddy's dogs are in there yeah you know what I mean yeah, because you're saying like going in with the gun, and all of a sudden you got the dog, and you got to pull him over and get yeah. him out. And next thing you know, you got the bear, right? <laughs> yeah, and he's right there in your face, you know. And you, and the dogs are trying to get past you to get to the bear again, you know. They're that's what they're for. Oh, but I'm just trying to figure out the motivation of like why you get started. <laughs> like, oh, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a damn hoot. <laughs> I mean, it I, is. it's I, a blast. I mean, you. Uh, to to love the dogs and like I, I can see that you know why you'd want to go out there because the dogs just love it you know I mean that's that's their purpose in life is to like you know do what you want them to do and then you know get on that bear um but man what I, I don't know that I'd be crawling in the hole I would probably crawl in the hole for my dog but it it, it it's all situational I mean some holes we don't go in. We just wait it out. Um, but some we do and some, you know, other crevices we go in, some we don't, you know. But like it's the same thing with mountain lion. Um I've 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 killed one mountain lion. I'd probably kill another one because I like to eat them. Um, you know, they're 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 good to eat. Um, but they're that animal is fun as hell to catch. I mean, um, they're they're a they're a fun and an evasive animal to hunt, you know. 
uh, and I just like running them. You know, it's, that's the only two going to catch that groundhog. If they, if they drop it on a raccoon track an hour later, they're going to catch that raccoon. I mean, they call them meat dogs. I mean, that's how they've trained them. Whatever whatever they put track they put them on is what they're going to catch. And, uh, you know, I, I, I run bear and, and mountain lion. That's it. They run bobcats, raccoon, bear, mountain lion, you know, whatever they put them on. It's, it's fun. It's fun to watch. If you know, getting started, you probably going to have to buy a couple started dogs that have been bear hunting. But like, if you bring a pup up and you go from, you know, the litter to that dog progressing and getting to his first tree or starting his first bear or sitting on the wood and, and he's treeing. I mean, it's it's a it's a proud moment. It's like, hey, yeah, man, he's doing good. He's coming around, and that that's where you just get it, where it's kind of just your training and stuff pays off, and that's where you you get your reward is when you see these dogs coming along from litter to making a good dog. So do these, uh, the meat dog guys, or I guess even in West Virginia, uh, in general, like, can you hunt deer with dogs too? Do they do that there? No. Okay. So like, that's, I know they do it in Virginia and like North Carolina, South Carolina. Big big down South. But, but not, not deer there. No. And then, so for, for these guys, what I was going to say is like these guys that run these meat dogs, it seems like. You know, you're you're kind of doing it for the the bigger game animal for I don't know maybe like more. Cause I can't imagine that. I mean, you'd be proud. I guess I'd be proud if my dog got a groundhog too. But <laughs> I mean, that just isn't like the reward that that you'd be going for. Do these guys that do those meat dogs? Do they do they deer hunt too, or are they just hounds? Oh, bending? oh no, they're 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 good woodsmen yeah because it just seemed I'm, like a time I, thing oh no <laughs> yeah the great thing is in west virginia uh we're very conservative with our game and gun laws and uh you can run you can run year round here we don't have a specific training season it's all year our 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 kill seasons are uh we have a pretty good amount of time to actually harvest the bears. I mean, it's, it's, uh, so you have time. It takes away from the, in the fall. Um, but you know, like me, I'm a good example. I haven't got to run very much this year. So my dogs are out of shape. You know, they'll probably still catch a couple bears this December, but they're out of shape. And that's my fault because I've focused on other stuff. Where these guys, these other guys, they're more focused on keeping their dogs in shape and running them and hunting. But they're all deer hunters, but they will focus more to, toward the hound side. And then if they get out and deer hunt, then, you know, okay, good good deal. But their focus is, is mainly on hound hunting. And so, like, like when you say that they're good woodsmen, you know, the, the guys that, that are 
that are trappers. Uh, my one buddy that hunts coyotes, you know, I think that, you know, first of all, like for, from like a predator hunting and coyote hunting, like you're out there with a thermal and you're killing a lot of stuff. So you're behind the gun a lot and you're, you're killing stuff, but you're seeing how deer move through the woods. You're seeing how animals move through the woods, not just the animals that you're going after, but you, you know, you're going to, you're going to come upon a lot of stuff. So you're getting an opportunity, like the more time you spend in the woods, you're just going to learn more about the outdoors, let alone, you know, just hunting, looking for deer tracks or scrapes or whatever. Right. Look, the woodsmanship. Right. Like you're going to, if you're out there like doing that's it. That's right. Like, I, I think that you have, I think you have deer hunters. I think you have coon hunters. I think you have bear hunters. But then I think you have woodsmen. And that's the guy that can do everything. You know, these guys trap, they deer hunt, they bear hunt, they hound hunt. I mean, we do, if there's a season, in we're doing it and successfully doing it and if you get into us if there's a survival situation when i say a woodsman it's a person that can go in the woods and adapt and he's okay and he's able to pass it along that knowledge and these these guys that that i've hunted with i mean they're they're good woodsmen so you're in an interesting situation because you're, you were brought up, you know, uh, hunting a little bit, and then you you got into that sort of woodsmanship stuff like after the Marine Corps. It sounds like more more so than when you were you were young. Well, I was a whole lot more serious about it when I got out. And then now you're bringing up your son in a day and age where, you know, Amazon will deliver something to you and next day or whatever and you want instant gratification you want to swipe on your phone and do all this stuff so how what are you doing and i guess how could you help uh guys like me with younger kids or whatever to to instill more woodsmanship in the next future generations in this fast-paced world well i you you have to you have to give time to it, in my opinion. I mean, you have to want to pass it along. Like for me now, I like I said before, I like killing stuff for everybody knows knows me. I like to kill stuff, and I'll I'll do that when I have time. But like a hundred percent of my focus is if Brody wants to go learn how to build a fire. I'm gonna go out there and teach him how to build a fire. If he wants to learn how to set up a tent. We're going to set up a tent. You know, I want to do those things rather than do something else, especially if he's interested in it and wants to learn it. Uh, if he wants to, you know, hell, in January and February, when we're just walking the dogs, I mean, yeah, we're walking the dogs, but Brody's asking about trees. You know, he's learned, you know, I think it's just to teach them when they want to be taught. I think you have to take that opportunity. I don't think you need to go pushing it down their throat. But like if Brody asked me, hey, what kind of tree is this? Well, then it just gets my mind racing. And I talk about all the damn trees, <laughs> not just that tree. I take that opportunity and we talk about all kinds of stuff. Um, and I think that as parents, um, 
and this is my opinion, but I think the focus needs to be the kids, not the parent at that point, not not your success, not your hunting. See the success in, in your eyes through your kid. Let let them, you know, whether you kill anything or not, it's a successful hunt. You know, that's why we hunt. I mean, I hunt for the experiences. You know, whether I kill something or not, I mean, it's still great because you ain't doing nothing else. You're out in the woods. You know, you ain't working. You ain't, there's no stresses out there. So you're winning either way, whether you harvest something or not, because you're getting a life experience. And I think that life experience is, is just priceless, uh, especially for these kids that's in this fast pace, just like you said, just swiping. And when they can get out in the woods and just shit slows down. Um, I think it, the four days we went to deer camp, we have no cell service there, no water, no electricity. I mean, it's pretty primitive. Um, and he loved it. He wasn't chat snapping or whatever the hell these kids um, or he wasn't TikToking or or none of that shit. I mean, it was looking people in the eye and conversating with them and telling stories. And I think that's very important uh, for kids nowadays to to go through that because they that they they, they just want to text and chat, snap, and and all this shit, and they don't get real human interaction. Uh, so I think that life experience is, is huge. Yeah. It's like, so my son, he just turned 19. So he's my youngest, my youngest kid. And like, I, I did like a youth hunt, but it was always just like, Hey, you want to go? Yeah. So I'd bring him. And then like, I, like one of his first ones, I called him. We he got the nickname Costco. Cause I gave him his fanny pack and I'm like, all right, we're going to be out there for a few hours. So we stopped and, like pick out your snacks. So he's like, well, this and this, and, you know, like he had his fanny pack filled with snacks and Fago pop and all this. And by like, I think eight 30, like everything was pretty much gone, you know? <laughs> and then he's like, Oh, and that was like the, it was opening day of gun season actually. And he heard like a shot, like way off, like a few hundred yards. He's like, what? you know, I'm like, well, someone probably just shot a deer over there. He's like, we should go over there. I'm like, no, I don't work like that. They already shot the deer. Like, but then, you know, like a few minutes later, he's like, well, I just want to walk over that way a little bit. I'm like, all right, well, go ahead. You know, like it was all about him. And, yeah. and then when he was ready to go, I'm like, Hey, well, that's, can we go? Like, but I think the interesting part about it is like, we did our deer camp with the Patreons this year. And John's like, Hey, Jet, you like you need to come, and he's just turned nineteen. He's like, nah, I don't know, you know. Well, he started college and stuff. He's like, I got homework and stuff. I haven't shot my bow, but that was like what I was leading up to. Is so he hunted with me, like for he started bow hunting, and it was it was like not a pressure thing. Like the only thing I pressure him, like if you're gonna bow hunt, you got to put in your time and you got to practice. Like I agree. You owe it to the animal if you're going to go out there and try to kill them that you need to be proficient with your equipment. And so, and that was one of the things like we'd go out and shoot our bow and then we'd, you know, screw around or like he shot leagues with us and, you know, he'd get down. And then like the one time Adam's like, Hey, if you, if you uh, Robin Hood your dad's arrow, I'll give you a hundred bucks. Well, then it was like a game like, (laughs) Oh, 
And he didn't do it that night, but the next week he did. Perfect Robin Hood. And he looks at Adam and he's like, yeah. well, that was last week. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but then, you know, like he's, you know, in his junior and senior year of high school, he was playing football and he, you know, so he didn't really have time in the fall to go hunt. So, but and I didn't pressure him like, hey, we'd still take a weekend. Like it was always like my birthday weekend, like in November. We'd go up to my buddy's cabin and it was like, it was more just to get away and decompress, you know, yeah. go out and we'd go dink around. We'd go, you know, I'd walk them through the woods and tell them what I'm looking at. And, and, uh, but it was like, we'd stop and we'd get Mountain Dew and Oreo cookies. And we'd always go to this one restaurant and it was yeah. all about the experience, you know? And then, but then, like I said, he, his junior, senior year, he had too much stuff going on. He didn't really get to hunt. So then this year though, you know, he graduated in the spring and then he's going to college and I'm like, hey, it was actually his birthday weekend. I'm like, well, just come up and hang out. You know, oh, I haven't shot my bow. I'm like, I might not even hunt myself. Like, I, but let's just go up and have fun. We're, there's going to be a ton of guys. And so he come up and he what he did, he had a bunch of homework to do, but then he hung out at the fire. And he, like on Saturday, like that got him incentivized. He was like, he shot his bow all day Saturday and I had, I had a doe. I could have shot a doe the night before. And uh, he's like, well, I'm going to go hunt. I'm like, all right. So we went out and got, like, walking them out in the spot, telling them, like, this is, you know, the runway. This is where the deer are moving through. And I think we need to go back here. And sure enough, we get up in the tree. Deer come through, like, right away. But it just, it, like, sparked his interest again. And so then I actually was flying out to Montana the next week weekend and he was he's like dad i need you know, i gave him all i have you know obviously we have a bunch of saddles and stuff gave him all my equipment extra equipment and he drove all the way back up there on his own and got all set up found the tree and everything he was all excited he was gonna hunt there and then drive up to our property which was like actually farther he could have just drove home it would have been closer but his plan was to go sleep at our property in his car and then go hunt again. But he found the tree, got all set up, and like 15 minutes into the sit, started pouring down rain and got soaked. <laughs> but yeah. the whole thing was, it like, I never forced him into it, but now he was, you know, wanting to do it more and more. And Yeah, I mean, the that's the only thing. that That's how I got Brody to start turkey hunting with me, was what you just said about practicing. I, he was wanting to turkey hunt. Um, I said, you can't, I said, are you wanting to kill a turkey or just go hunting with me? Cause you can observe. He's like, no, he said, I want, he said, I want to shoot. I said, okay. Cause he never liked guns. His ears were sensitive. And I said, but in order to go turkey hunting, we got to go out and shoot a shotgun. You got to shoot it. And he, he went out and shot it. And I gave him, this was, he was a 14. So he was 10 then, 11. And I, I gave him a Mossberg 935, three and a half inch, right <laughs> off the bat. And he shot it. And he's like, oh, gosh. And I was like, wasn't too bad, was it? He's like, yeah. He said, it hurt. I said, yeah. I said, them some bitches kill on both ends. I said, here, shoot this shell. And then I, then I choked him down to his 20 gauge that got set up for him. And I said, you're never going to shoot a gun. 
worse than that Mossberg 935, three and a half inch. And from then on, you know, he's done it. But then last year, bow hunting, I let him, you know, he shot a little bit, but he missed like five deer last year. So this year, when we got our bows, he shoots at least three or four days a week. If if he has two hours between school and practice, like he's shooting, and it's paid off for him. You know, he killed he killed a real nice he killed his first archery deer, a real nice ten point first day of the season this year. And I was like, that is the payoff for practicing and putting your time in. And he's learned that. And, I, and I'm a firm believer in what you said, that if you are going to hunt, then you need to become proficient yep. um, with it because you owe it to the animal that you're hunting. Yep. Well, and that's the thing, too, is like with shooting your bows, it's really easy to make it fun. I mean, like my daughter, you know, she's like, Dad, can can we go turkey hunting? So I got to get the blind out, <laughs> set it up in the backyard. And I got one of those foam turkey decoys and she shoots her bow at the turkey and then she pretends like she's filming it. And she's like, all right, we got to track it. We're going out and doing this. And it's like, but, you know, I could be inside in the Barbie dream house or whatever curled up in that sucker. So it's like, you know, if that's what she wants to do and that's what, like exactly what you said, if, if that's what she's interested in, then, you know, that's what we're doing, yeah. you know? But like John says, and, you know, we'll probably get some shit for this because it's just what it is. But, like, nobody ever says, hey, can I want to go shoot my crossbow, Dad. They don't. They say, I want to shoot my bow. Like, you go out and shoot your bow a whole bunch. But you can't make a couple shots with your crossbow when you're done. Oh, sighted in like a gun, you know. And just the way it goes. <laughs> it is. I mean, I, I think it, I don't have no problem with crossbows if they're legal. You know, go do your thing. But I think you ought to own it. If you're going to be a crossbow hunter, don't say you're a bow hunter. Mm-hmm. I think you should say, I'm a crossbow hunter. Yeah. Because you're not a bow hunter if you're hunting with a crossbow. I will say it. And that's my opinion. Uh, I have no issues with crossbows. Um, but I think you ought to identify as a crossbow hunter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but but like I say, like I, I got no problem with it, especially like for like for my daughter. Like if she was like really wanting to go hunt and and you know I think there's a place for, for everything and I think as long as like you say, as long as you own it and that's you know your thing. And I think the other side of that is just like the bow hunting. Like you gotta be proficient with it. You gotta shoot it and sight it in and make sure that it's on and not not treat it as a gun. And you just because Raven says you can shoot them out to a hundred yards and pop balloons, that doesn't mean that you can that you can make that shot, you know? I mean Right. Well I, I just think I think that crossbows have their place. Uh if you're introducing an individual to the outdoors and it's a type of individual that has to have success to 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 see it, to feel it, I think crossbows are great for youngsters. I think crossbows are great when you get to the top end of your ages to keep our older generations in the woods instead of them just quitting and saying, I can't pull a bow back no more. I think that crossbows are a great tool to give the old timers an option to be in the woods. And then for all your uh, 
disabled people that need a crossbow, hey, I'm 100% for it. Um, but I don't think in between there that you should be in the woods with a raven crossbow that shoots 100 yards and shooting 550 feet per second. I don't. Right. So, but. The bow question? No, I mean, since we're talking about bows. <laughs> so, one of the questions I always ask our guests is, what is your bow? Yeah. What bow are you shooting right now? What's your setup? Um, I shoot a Matthews V3X. Uh, I think it's the 33. Um, and uh, 75 pound limbs. Um, I shoot about a 530 grain arrow. I shoot black eagle arrows. Um, the uh, Spartans that they that they have, and they 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 hit really hard, and and then I, I I'm a mechanical guy, so I shoot. I've got several different mechanicals in my bro, my quiver. You know, they all fly pretty well the same. Yeah, but um, that's pretty well my setup. You know, I, I shoot a one pin sight. And uh, I have for uh, several years now because I I feel like I can focus in in long range shots a lot better. Yeah. Uh, spotting and stalking is why I like I like the the one pin because I used to have a bad habit with a five pin sight, and I would put all the pins on the deer and say okay. It's going to hit. Well, that's not the damn case. You know, I'd, I'd lose my focus with, you know, a three, four, five pin and my shots. I never was a guy that practiced a lot. I always just went out and hunted and missed a lot of deer. Didn't, I mean, I've wounded more deer since shooting a lot than I have before but i missed a lot before um i went to a thumb release three years ago and that changed my shooting probably five or six fold it helped me out going from a caliper trigger release to a to a thumb release and then and then shooting it the correct way instead of you know punching the trigger rolling and it helped my shooting out tremendously. And plus I shoot a lot more now. I mean, I feel completely confident in going out and shooting whitetail. If it's the right situation, not, not a steep angle, but I'd, I'd shoot a whitetail at 70 yards right now, uh, on a spot and stalk, but we shoot a lot. Right. Um, but that's, that's kind of my setup. I mean, I, I like the bows we're shooting. Um, I've always shot Matthews, um, never had any a partnership with them until this year. And I've shot them except for a stint with bear. I've shot a Hoyt before. Um, but I've always, some reason Matthews kind of got the market share in West Virginia. <laughs> That's the bow I'm shooting this year too, is the V3X 33, yeah. 75. I was going to go with the with the the twenty nine, and I have a twenty nine also, but I really like that thirty three. Yeah. Um. So going to the thumb release, do you think? Do you think um, it was just like a 
a form thing, like you said, shooting it the correct way? Or what do you think was the big, like, tipping point from a caliper to a to thumb release? Well, I think for, for me, it it makes me concentrate and be focused in my, you know, everybody has their own different shot process. But for my process, I feel like as soon as I get pulled back, you know, I'm already rolling. I shoot pretty quick. So I'm already rolling my hand. So as soon as I'm, my pin is set and I've gone through my process of leveling up, anchoring, everything the same, then I, you know, the shot's going off for me. It helped me focus to be, to get my pin set on the target as fast as possible because I'm shooting, I'm letting it go. Well, it's going as soon as it, as soon as it rolls, I don't really know when it's going to go, but as soon as I finish rolling out, you know, it's it just gave me more, put more of a focus. And the way I practice, like I don't, we have targets here in our yard, and I don't shoot at, like we shoot, I have stations at 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. But once our pins are set, and this is something that, you know, Brody enjoys, I have like six or seven targets set up throughout the yard and we just walk and shoot all unknown yardages, different targets. And that's how we, that's how we practice. I mean, we range them just like we, cause we use the range finder hunting, but we'll stop and we'll range and shoot. But you have, you have to get shot off in 30 seconds between ranging it and shooting it. That's good practice. Yeah. And we, and we might shoot one target at 40 yards and stay in the same spot and bring the target behind us and have to, you know, we shoot different, you know, turning our bodies and from our knees and everything. And it makes it interesting for him. And it's great practice because yeah. that's going to be a lot of situations that we're in. And what thumb release did you end up going with? What are you shooting? Uh, I shoot the, uh, the true ball fine four. Okay. Is what I shoot. And then Brody went with a he, – he started off with a Fang 4. Uh, but now I'm thinking he – no, he is shoot, he's shooting a B3 release now. Okay. Um, and he likes it. Uh, but I still shoot the Fang 4. And that um, Fang but, 4, you can't hang on your D-loop, right? Because it's just got the one hook, right? Oh, no, no, you can. Okay. I was wondering about – for You have the slide – that closes it up. Okay. Yeah. So when I'm hunting my releases, I keep it on my D loop, you know, even when I'm ground hunting, it just, it's there hanging. It it has an option to put it on your wrist, but I don't like, I'm always grabbing my binos. And when it's on my wrist, it hits my binos and it'll make that not a tink, but that thud. So I just, I just keep it clipped on my, on my bow and then you know when you get into a setting that you're hunting every time i stop i pull both i'm pulling my bow back every time i mean because i've had some screw-ups where i've got into setups and said okay i'm good here but then a deer come and i raise my boat and i hit a damn limb and it tinks and he runs off you know 
lot of a lot of uh, mistakes are are made on the ground, and you learn every day. I mean, hunt with Zach this week taught me more, but it's all about trying to read the deer, man. You know, letting them tell you what you can and can't do depending on their mood. Like he shot at the deer, and we, you know, we went, we kind of critique ourselves. He shot at a deer that was looking at him, but was with two does and what and didn't really know what they were. I was filming from a distance and he had the cameraman with him. And he thought that if he didn't get that shot off then, that he wasn't going to get a shot. And that deer was not going to go anywhere. The does didn't see him. That deer's not going to run. But he shot when the deer was looking at him and held a deer. Jumped the jumped the arrow by hell. I'd bet you three feet uh, on video. It looks like, um, but it's just learning that stuff. The thumb release helped me out tremendously shooting. That was a big, big plus for me. It's interesting because I feel like a lot of people get intimidated. I mean, my brother, for example, you know, he he missed a really nice buck, but. First thing he did, you know, shot it all summer long, pulls back on a great buck and frick punched himself right in the nose. And I mean, he was telling the story last night and he said that I, I used to shoot a thumb release, but punched myself in the nose on a big 10 point. And so he, went, he went back to, <laughs> yep, he went back to the wrist release because I, I think Brody, uh, I think he'll go to a back tension in spring. And he's he's been shooting with it this fall, but I wouldn't let him hunt with it. And I don't think he would hunt with it either because he's not comfortable with it, but he shoots with it a lot. But I think that he'll – he'll. I've never shot a back tension and, and won't because, <laughs> you know, I'm happy just thumb release. But I think he'll go to a, a back tension and start next year. Um, he's all into it. You know, I'm more the just trying to teach him, and but I don't know about. I don't know if I could change even if I screwed up with thumb release because I know that <laughs> it makes me shoot better, even if I break my nose. With it, you know, <laughs> yeah, I almost did that with my hinge release. About <laughs> broke yeah. my nose off my face. Felt like. <laughs> Well, Brody's put a couple arrows in the sheetrock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I put one through the. Off the, his hand. <laughs> yeah. Right through the, the no broadhead sign at the at our Bowman's Club. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, John, John yeah. does a lot of the maintenance and stuff there that was stuck in the light fixture the arrow was. <laughs> that didn't even break the ball, but went through the metal. There's like a. So a. Like right above our target bank on the ceiling is a big metal sign. And it's like a triangle and it says no broadheads. And it was like, I had shot probably close to 150 arrows. I was tuning my bow and Jesus. and uh, I was sighting it in, tuning it, doing all that. And then I was setting my sight tape and I like, it was late. It was probably 11 o'clock at night and in the club, you, it's 50 yards or like almost 55, but you got to be back by the bathroom. And there's signs like no shooting 
from the kitchen and no shooting from the bathroom, you know, I'm back by the bathrooms and I drew back and that same thing I had changed. Like I was shooting a back tension and my thumb release and my hinge and I don't know what I did, but I drew back and all of a sudden it was like, boom, and it goes off and it was just like, pow, right? I'm like, holy shit. I go down there and it's like stuck through and went all the way through both sides of the, the metal sign and then through the light fixture edge. And it was like, the tip was almost touching the bulb. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> but man, there. So, is Michigan? Is there? Do you all gun hunt? We we have. Well, I don't or gun do, hunt. Or do you all just strictly archery? Pretty much just bow hunt. Like last year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Last year, I like I said, I brought my daughter up north, yeah, and uh, I gun hunted for the first time in a couple of years, and uh, I missed two does. I missed one at thirty yards, and I went back and sighted in my rifle, and I missed a doe, another doe at like ninety. Um, this is and, after, and you- and I killed an elk in Colorado on a, a drop camp uh, with my dad. And I bow hunted. It was rifle season. It was first rifle. I went out and I bow hunted for five days. Didn't get an opportunity or four days. Last day, I said, I'm just going to borrow. I didn't bring a rifle. I said, I'm going to borrow somebody's rifle and I'm going to kill one. And I shot this elk at 265 yards with a rifle I'd never even held before. But now with my rifle, I can't hit a doe at 30 yards. Like, oh, it's just (laughs) terrible. But basically, we, we basically only bow hunt. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you like it? Uh, are you hunting public or private in Southeast Ohio? Public. public. Okay. Everything's basically. Well, my family's got uh, 240 acres in Michigan's Upper Peninsula, um, but it's 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 quicker for me to get to Ohio than it is to go up there. So, like, that's why I chose to go to Ohio over Thanksgiving. It's, um, it's what, like eight hour drive? Yeah, it's like eight hours to get up there. And that, you know, there's not real big deer or anything like that. Like, I grew up with like what you're talking about with like a deer camp. Like, n- now there's satellite TV and power up there, but still an outhouse. But when I used to go yeah. up there as a kid, it was kerosene lights and, and we had water. Uh, but not too many years before that, it, they used to have to go to like the city hall and pump water and bring yeah. it in. Yeah. 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 I mean, we take our we 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 used to have an outhouse. We use uh, handicapped chairs now with commode seats on them. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Go wherever the landmines aren't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. that. Uh, see, we we hunted pu- public there for. I've had a not an advantage, but a lot of these lands that I hunt on, I've I've reclaimed through my company. And working for the mine company, and then I worked for the actual coal company before I started my company. But the public land in, in the Southern Four has just got overwhelmed with people. I don't know if it's, you know, where we videoed so much in 18 and 19 and and showed the deer we were killing and videoing. But like, and then there's no, really no land. Everything in West Virginia is owned by land companies. Uh, we have public land, but 
compared to other states, we we have very little public land, and so we have I have a lease now um, that that I focus on, and we still go to public in early season, but like once the rut hits, I mean there's eight or ten vehicles at every parking lot on on our public land, you know, in our area. So these land companies have started leasing their land to pay at least pay their taxes and expenses and they've never done that before and i end up you know to bear hunt you got to have some property you know and a lot of the property we were bear hunting was getting taken up by hunting leases so <clears throat> i end up taking a lease upon myself and um for bear hunting that's what we were focused on but now it's like man we need this diary or deer hunting everything it uh, it's getting so bad trying to find a place to hunt. Yeah, Michigan's got a ton of public land here. I mean, it's but the gun season is. I mean, that's you know a lot of we well the orange army is what we call it. You know. Oh so, yeah. So it's. I think it's just it's just kind of scary. Like and and our gun like where we're at, we're like right on the edge of the rifle. And the shotgun line. So, and pretty much oh, okay. all all the the public land that we hunt is in the rifle zones. Okay. So you got guys out there, you know, shooting like. Well, I grew up shooting a seven seven millimeter mag. I mean, yeah. you know, you can reach out and touch some shit with that. Yeah, <laughs> and, like A, B, and T. Exactly. And so, it's just a, it's a little scary to go out and hunt public land with, you know, with all the the orange army out there for yeah. us. Our, our, our orange army is strong, but it's nothing like PA, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio. It's nothing like that. I mean, I bet you Birdie and I didn't hear 20 shots the first morning or the first day. Yeah. Um, you know, just, it, but we've only got, you know, 1.7 million people in the whole state, <laughs> you know, so, Population is, is pretty low, and I'd say that I'm not, not sure on resi residential sales, but I'd say there might be a quarter million hunters, you know, in the whole state, maybe a little more. Yeah, I, th I, I thought the last numbers for Michigan was like around a half a million, 600,000 yeah, license sold. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, I didn't – so, John grew up hunting public land, and I grew up just going up to our deer camp, you know, and that was that was hunting. And then – so, John's my wife's cousin. So, when I got into their family, like, my father-in-law is like Grizzly Adams, and so, everything was public. And, and so, all yeah. our bow hunting is, is, is public, and it just – honestly, now I look at it as – having that mindset is like a, you know, outside of the whole gun thing, just being like a blessing. Cause it's like with like what you're talking about, even with the spot and stock and the walk around hunting, you know, it's like, you need some property to do that. If you got 40 acres, like that ain't shit, you know, <laughs> like you can only walk so far, you know, and you know, in the bow season, you know, if you run into somebody, you can just go somewhere else, like just move, you know, that, that just, in in having that mindset, like I said, I think is a blessing instead of, you know, I grew up hunting where, and my brother and I were just talking about it yesterday, but, you know, you go in 
240 acres seems like a lot. And then you get six, eight, 10 guys on there and none of them care about the wind or access or anything. So, you know, and the deer know where you're at walking in or you're riding your four wheeler right to the stand and they say, well, the, the deer don't care. Well, yeah. Well, why haven't you, we killed a buck or a big buck ever or in, you know, 10 years or, or whatever. It's like those deer know what's going on. Um, and so even there, like nice piece of property, you know, lots of people would kill for 240 acres, but if you got a guy hunting here and a guy hunting here and a guy hunting here and the wind is from here, like you're now you're just kind of like what you're talking about. You better enjoy just being in the woods because ain't going to see a deer or nothing. Well, you ought to, you're in that situation. You ought to hunt the hunter yeah. yeah. instead of trying to figure out the deer, just figure out what everybody else is doing and, and let them ruin their spots for you. <laughs> right and That's, and and, and, and that, you can be successful doing hunting the hunter i mean if that makes sense i mean you're not i don't want anybody thinking that josh is out there hunting people but if you're if you're hunting the hunter and you know where they're at it can be your advantage yeah, yeah. well that's like my one brother is a, a a good hunter my other brother is a great guy Oh, <laughs> but he, he, he likes to not go to work and just be in the woods. Uh, he's like, I'm not into it like you guys are, but my, my brother and I can walk in there and find deer. No problem. You know, pretty much no matter where anybody's hunting and, but everybody else is like, you know, they, they go to this stand and they don't see anything. They don't care about the wind. Then they go over to this stand. That's not any better and they don't see anything there and there's like there's no deer here and it's like well the deer are there like you're just yeah. in a bad spot you know but these guys aren't mobile hunters they are don't they don't have any you know idea of, of like you know they they're of the mindset of you know john shot a big buck over here one year so it's a good spot and you know we always see deer over here so that's a good spot but it is it isn't because of they went that's out and looked to see what they Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, that's atypical of, of deer hunters or, or hunters. I mean, over the years, you, you hear stories that, that, well, Jim Bob killed one over on this point in 1985. You ought to probably go up there and hunt. You know, that's just, that's typical. Kind of uh, sounds like Justin's story from yeah. the Florida guy. Like, we just had a guy in the podcast uh, two weeks ago. And he come all the way up from Florida and he ended up staying like a mile from my property up north. <laughs> yeah. And uh hunt uh that hunt camp was there for they they've been doing it since like the seventies, late seventies. And him and his buddy came up from Florida, they did all this e scouting and they ended up killing the biggest buck they've ever killed in camp. These guys coming up from Florida to their the guys up here in Michigan's camp and but those guys, you know, and he's like, it was a great, great freaking camp. Like all the guys were cool as hell, but they just all did like the same thing. They had their ladder stand or this tree. They all did the same, basically the same yeah. stuff. And, you know, they're this, they're there for the, you know, camaraderie and, you know, yeah. the and camp. Wrong with and, but it's just cool story. It's the difference between the hunters, you know, like your that's style right. hunting. And what's funny is, I've been working on getting my house going and my buddy Jason, who I used to hunt with all the time, 
and he's a like a r- great hunter. And we we're talking about how his spot, like you know, the guys would move in. And he's like, ah, that don't bother me none because I know where they're at now, and I know what's what the deer are gonna do when those guys are there. He's said the same thing. Like I hunt the hunter. Like I hunt. I I like knowing where they're at when those guys come in. The deer, I know how the deer move through that area, and I know what they're going to do now. They're not going to go by him, you know. That's right. So they might uh, once, but that guy's just going to go in and sit no matter what the the wind's doing. Like, you know, he's going to sit there, and then he's going to push those deer over, and, you know, uh, I'll figure it out from there. Yeah. Yeah, I I could be in a tree for two hours and see a deer, and I'd get down and go after it. Uh, but you got to have room to do that. Yeah. Well, that's not found. So you're not disrespecting or found somebody else up. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think it's a blessing to have the mindset of like, I, now I can move or I can go or I can just go find something else. And, you know, the, for that, for the longest time, like, you know, you, we talked about the, the being on the ground and moving, but I always thought like, I was committed, you know, like I had to be there. Like this was the spot. And it's like, no, the deer have a say, like the deer want to be where they want to be. Like, they don't have to come by you. You can't wish them to come by you. Like you have to go and make something happen at some point. That's kind of like my, you know, growing up, my dad was like, he killed a shit ton of deer, but it was like, we couldn't shoot does. We could only shoot bucks, spike horn, whatever. It had horns. It was, you know. It was okay to shoot, but it was okay. Go get in that tree. And he had like thousands of trees, like, but it was, you get in a tree and you stay there, you know? Yeah. And then, and that was like, that was kind of like burned into my head. And then my brother, he was like a whole different breed. Like he just did his own shit and he'd go up and then get in a tree and be like, Ah, I seen the deer coming from over there. So I got down, moved over there. I'm like, what in the middle of a sit? Well, and he kills a 20 inch freaking 10 pointer. Like, yeah, yeah. well, I got to go where the deer are at. Like they, I seen three other bucks go through that same spot. That's where they're moving. Yeah. Well, that, that's, I think that's the misconception with a lot of hunters is, I mean, number one rule, you got to be where the deer are. Right. You know, you might see them where you're at but and it's it's okay if you want to bird watch but like if i see deer and i'm not in the spot i'm going to that spot it doesn't matter it's in the middle of the sit i've only been there an hour whatever i'm getting out and moving and it doesn't bother me a bit um because i think that just like you were saying adam i mean you can be in the woods as much as you want but you have to do everything in your power to get the odds in your favor to create that opportunity. Yeah. And I think aggressive, aggressive tactics, they pay off. They create opportunity. You, you will get opportunity. You might not be that day. You might foul it up, but at some point it, it will pay off and it will all come together. Yeah. You're learning from your mistakes. You learn Oh, I got away with it or I didn't get away with it. Now I can try something different. But I think what you said earlier, Josh, was something that like a lot of young hunters and we we, we talk about a lot of just saying like, you know, you got to get a few under your belt and you don't want the biggest buck of your life, you know, and you're trying to figure it out. But like what you were saying about being on the ground and 
like figuring out what the deer will allow you to do. You know, there's so much that you can get away with, you know, and then there's, and there's certain scenarios where you absolutely can't, you know, you know, That's exactly right. and like, I, I think about it like, uh, that last video that you had, right. You know, where you killed that big buck, but that doe's right behind you and you're like FaceTiming somebody or videoing it like over your shoulder, yeah. you know, and that deer allowed you to do that. But then there's other, there's going to be other days that that deer's going to be in that exact same spot. Maybe there was a tink or there was something on your gear that was flapping in the wind. And she's keyed in on you and you can't do that. And yeah. But you have to have those situations to know when you can do that and when you can't. You know? I mean, when that, uh, when, when the buck came down off the hill, you know, he had, they were absolutely dogging this though. And, and right before I'd shot him, after I shot the deer, I was like, there goes that hot doe. She came in that that bush where I was FaceTiming. Not, I was videoing that doe behind me went earlier in the afternoon. And there's and you can see that bush and that that pawpaw tree right there. And there's an autumn. That doe ran in that autumn olive and was and we could see her butt. And she was just sitting there shivering. <laughs> I think she was just completely like wore down. But she was the hot doe. And when that buck came off, I thought that he was going to go to her, but. I guess he lost her when got down there with all those other deer and he turned and came in front of me, but that hot doe didn't take off till, um, two or three minutes after the shot. And that place was so hot that, you know, we got out of the, out of the tree and went down to meet Zach. And when we came back up, I was like, I, I just got another picture and I looked and, and a 10 point was at that scrape after, I mean, after I'd shot, I mean, even when we were, we were tracking my deer, I mean, there was deer running all in that thicket around us and we were taking pictures and everything. I mean, that's how hot that area was. I mean, it, I've not had very many hunts like that. Um, I, I bet you we heard 25 or 30 snort wheezes that afternoon. And like, I probably hadn't heard that many in my life. And you said that there was another buck that was bigger than that one, or that was, uh, right in that same class. Yeah. And we saw him run earlier. Um, there was three bucks in there. I mean, we had, we have meant we're strict. I, I, we, we've put restrictions in place on our lease because last year, uh, the first two years that I had to lease, it was kind of like, as long as it's Pope and Young, you can shoot it. Well, that's not the right thing to do uh, because we we killed a lot of deer that were 130, 135 inch, which are which are great deer. I'm not saying that, but it's not what we have the lease for. I mean, not the lease that we have and the property has potential to really really get big deer and so we have size restrictions we I, several people commented on youtube why i didn't shoot that first 10 point that came in it was 130 inch deer but we have 150 inch minimums on our lease uh for anything over eight point eight points got to score 140 
What? I mean, and that's that. I was having the same question, not not on that deer so much as I think it was a video before that where the other guy he passed a, just a beautiful buck, and then he shoots the other one. He's like, "That's one. That's one we're, we're after." And uh, I feel like sometimes when you're you have that angle from the tree, like you don't get like the full idea of like what that because when he came up on that deer and you guys recovered it it was like oh my god that's a freaking monster but it didn't look that much bigger than the one that he passed you know right and in that deer you know the deer that you shot like i you know if that was a 130 inch deer with that flyer on the back i I think uh, many people would be hard pressed not to shoot that deer at, you know, no, I would be hard pressed not to. Right. If, if I wasn't on, on the lease with the rules, mm-hmm. uh, anywhere else I'd shoot it. Um, but, but we put those restrictions in place and, and it's, you know, hopefully it'll, uh, it'll pay off, you know, Cause we have a bunch of 130 inch, 120 inch deer running around and we've gone from killing 14, 15 Pope and young bucks on the lease a year to, I think there's been five, you know, 150 plus inch deer killed this year. So like I say, we we're public land mainly. Uh, yeah. But my question is like in that scenario, like, like let's say you've got like an incredible lease, right? And you're doing all this management and you're saying, okay, we're not going to shoot these bucks. You know, we got 13 bucks that are up and comers or whatever. Like, what do you, how do you structure your lease or whatever for like your protection so that they don't just lease it out to the next highest bidder or somebody sees like, you know, you're, you're all over YouTube. Somebody sees like, oh, that's where they're at. I got deep pockets. I'm just going to come in and, and get it. Like, how do you protect yourself? Or like, do you worry about that? Nah, I don't worry about it. Um, the, nah, I mean, I, I never have thought about it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, you know, if, if that's the case, that's the case. You know, I don't think that, um, I'll bank on my relationship with the land company. Okay. Yeah. Like, like I say, cause that's like the first thing that comes to mind, you know, cause as soon as you, you have a piece of property or somewhere that people find out that there's big deer, you know, then, Oh, there's going to be people, you know, sniffing at your doorstep saying, okay, well, how do I, I mean, you see it with the hunting public, you see it with, you know, all these guys and they, you know, they catch a lot of crap because they're showing off where they're at and all the stuff. Um, but for, but in a money game, right. Public lands, public land, like, you know, people can get pissed, whatever, but there's always somebody with more money, man. <laughs> like that's, that's what I'd be like. So freaking worried about, especially with them. You know, you put in restrictions, you're showing deer that you're passing that are huge like that. It's like, man, I'd be nervous as hell. <laughs> it is what it is. I don't, I mean, I don't put much thought into it. If somebody comes in and takes it, I'll just go hunt somewhere else. So you like, know, how many guys do you have in 
like in your lease with you? Uh, there's 24. 24. So this is a big chunk of property. Yeah, that's a decent chunk. Um, but it's tough. I mean, I still go on public. It just depends on where the deer are, where I'm seeing them. You know, the lease is a, is a great place to be able to run dogs and not have issues yeah. uh, crossing property lines and other other bear hunting groups because it's got more and more popular. We used to be the only group in southern West Virginia that ran bears uh, for years. Now everybody, you know, it seems like everybody's got a dog box and and running. So that's the that's the whole you know plan behind the lease is having is having a place to run the dogs and not having issues. And you know, if it don't hurt the deer hunting and the deer there, I mean, you got it. Yeah. You're paying for it anyway. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um so it's it, it works out. So um I guess we can kind of wrap stuff up here. Like so what's the the future for untamed? Like what do you what stuff do you guys got coming up? Grinding man. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing we know how to do. And you're now, put- and we, you know, we'll finish up bow season, you know, New Year's Eve, um, and then probably go mountain lion hunting in January, February, and then turkey season will start, you know, late March fourth. And most of your stuff it's is it, like in uh, in real time, right? Yeah, it's uh, we're like right now we we've got a backlog, uh, but we're we're within ten days. Um, you know, we're probably a little bit further out than that because the video stacked up during the rut on us. Um, we had a lot of, a lot of good content, a lot of good action, um, and killed a few deer. So, I mean, we're, we're a little bit behind right now, but it's semi, you know, that YouTube semi real time. I mean, we've put out more whitetail content this year than we ever have. We've, we've, you know, we've been putting out two videos a week since the third week of September. So when, when you guys so, switch into the mountain line, um, where do you guys, is you guys do out in the same area or no, 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 you, we, we go, go out West. Oh, so you gotta go out West. I don't like, there's no mountain yeah, line in West, West Virginia, right? Uh, zero. <laughs> I probably had flat for that, but yeah, I think there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's then, a hide and seek, hide and seek champion. So like, and then like the wild boar, or like you know, yeah. Now is that like a open year? All is there a season? No, no. It, they're act, they're act, they're actually uh, you know wild boar. They were they were brought into to to Logan and Boone County um, in the late seventies uh, for the coal miners. They, see, the deer populations were down so bad uh, that they brought in their their Eurasian. Wild boars, what they are, and they brought them in to just a few areas um, for the coal miners to have something to hunt because the deer populations were so low. But they strived, you know, they've strived in those areas. They they did really good, and then I don't know what happened. Like in two thousand three, four, five, it's like they 
bunch of them died off. And then they made then they made a you know a resurgence and now the population's pretty good and you know there's some, there's a few hogs around um but that's why they brought them in into the area i mean and it, and it's like you know feral hogs everybody talks about them down south in texas and everywhere and they just they just go everywhere they just reproduce like rabbits and they're everywhere like the areas that they stock these wild boar in they don't leave those areas. It's crazy. Like they're not all over Logan. They're just in certain parts, certain drainage systems of Logan. Okay. They're not all. They're not all over the place in Boone County. They're just in certain areas where they got stocked. I mean, it's it's kind of wild how they have not migrated outside of these areas. So, um. But they, you know, they have a bow season that's always open, and they have a they have a uh, a late firearm season in February. Okay, and it's only the residents. That's the only only animal in West Virginia that non residents aren't allowed to hunt. Okay, so that sucks. I was yeah, thinking, man, that's a lot shorter drive than Texas or somewhere. <laughs> they're, they're, they're fun. They're real fun um, <laughs> until they chase you down. Yeah. Yeah, all I all I had to do was where uh, all I had to do was outrun Greg Godfrey. So uh, he he, short, he got short and little, he, you know he got little short steps and that's that's all I was. I said I just got past him. I passed him and he went, oh shit, because <laughs> that, that hog was right on my heels. So I don't know if y'all heard. I mean, I I blew my knee completely out getting chased by one that last that last spring turkey season his last day and got greg godfrey from tethered was with me so yeah i didn't get aggressive but that's my fault i like i said i i, I induced that myself <laughs> it happens sometimes <laughs> so where can everybody follow along with the untamed and uh like what like i say so, you, you guys are pretty much as two videos a week video a week so you guys are going strong yeah, and and that it'll continue because we'll start dropping bear content first of the year up to turkey season. And you can check us out on YouTube, find us on Instagram, Facebook. Um, we no longer have a TikTok account. We banned for life. Um, they, don't, they don't like dogs and bears in the same video. So uh, we got our last strikes and they banned us, which is no big deal. Um but yeah, just check us out and leave us comments, subscribe. And that's pretty much what we do. Yeah, and, I, and I'll say this: like, if you want to see like what it's all about, watch that bear video, whatever it says. You know, best bear video you ever see. And then the last video that they posted, the most recent one, where Josh kills this freak of a buck. Uh, the excitement in his voice and his reaction <laughs> and everything um y- you'll be hooked so <laughs> so thanks for coming on tonight and uh and uh cutting up with us for a little bit dude i appreciate it man good luck the rest of the season yeah no problem you too <laughs>